This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to the Success Scenario. I'm your host, Dustin Abrego. On the Success Scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students, people just like you, who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turn their situation into a successful one. Welcome back to the Success Scenario. I'm Dustin Abrego. This is the conclusion of our episode with Chrissy. If you want to listen to part one, please go to lccconnect.org. Now let's get started. How did you prioritize yourself as a student? I think we've talked about this more than once, and I think that comes to the self-confidence and like the age aspect I say take out of it because anytime we go talk about that, and I don't want to ignore the realities of stuff. You have a family. You have these other things going on for your life. Anytime I talk with a student, I can't just assume that everyone that shows up is like this right out of high school student, right? And even students that are like that have stuff going on in their life. Um, but how did you go about prioritizing yourself? Because you're not the only student that I've worked with or people that I've met that go, I hear what you're saying. I appreciate that the school can be flexible and that we can work with you, but I still have a family husband like all of these other I work like all these other things how did you go about prioritizing for yourself to be a student well as you well know in the beginning I did not Mm -hmm. um it it took it took a couple of meetings with you to be honest because we've talked about it I I don't go to therapy maybe I should but I don't and and I know you're not a therapist Mm -hmm. and for everybody listening success coaches are not therapists and they are not uh, (laughs) able to Prescribe anything no, or diagnose no. you, just FYI. But it is kind of a, a sounding board situation where I can say this to you and you, you're going to give me a devil's advocate back. You're going to make me think about it. You're going to make me question it. Um, and, and that happened with me prioritizing myself and prioritizing school. And it came down to setting boundaries, which for me, I, I've never done in my mm-hmm. life. I had to set boundaries for the very first time in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boundaries that I knew I was setting, mm-hmm. let's say it that way, because obviously I've set boundaries throughout my life, but intentionally setting these boundaries of this is school time, this is family time, this is this, this is this. So the first thing I had to do was make sure everybody that has direct access to me had my schedule. Mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. first thing I had to do. Mm-hmm. This is my schedule. This is when I actually have to be in front of my computer looking at my professor, listening to them speak. This is don't interrupt this time. So that was the first the first thing I did was please just don't try to get a hold of me during this mm-hmm. time. And then there was, well, I still need time to do my work. Mm-hmm. Because I think what do they say for every um, hour you're in class, you need two more at, to for homework and study. Kind Three of. to four. It, it depends, you know, because it ebbs and flows. It's not like in the first week you 
I have four hours of work outside of that, you know, or, you know, right. if it's finals time, you know, it might be a little more or if studying, but yeah, you're in the same ballpark. But it's an, appro- mm-hmm. yeah, it's like a ballpark number. And, you know, I have four hours of school. If I, if I just give two hours to the four for that class, that's another eight hours. And then I have another class that's four hours multiplied. That's another eight hours. I mean, this is a part-time job. It's, and for some people it's full-time. Actually for me, it's, it's fullish time. And I just, honestly, I built it up a couple hours at a time is what I did. I didn't, I I'm terrible, terrible about saying, no, this has to be about me. Terrible about it, but I've gotten better at it when it comes to school. There are still other areas of my life that I could probably learn from this, but I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to pressure myself like that. This is all new for me. And I have to focus on the fact that this is all new for me and give myself a break. Mm -hmm. We talk about it a lot. Give myself a little grace. Give myself just a little bit of a break. It's okay to not be perfect at this just because I, and I think honestly, that's where another place where my age comes into it. I'm 44 years old. Mm-hmm. I should be able to prioritize. I should be able to set boundaries. I should be able to do all this. No, that's not true. Just because you're almost 45 does not mean you have everything together. Mm-hmm. does not mean you know what you're mm-hmm. doing. I, I will just lose the dream of that now. If that's, if that's somebody's dream, I hate to pop your bubble, but it's better it happens now than <laughs> later. It, you will not know everything by 44 either. So I, I just... It, a lot of acceptance, a lot of personal grace goes into setting all of these boundaries and prioritizing school for yourself. Like you said, I do have a family. My daughter does need me mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. She, it doesn't matter. She's an adult. She needs me from time to time. My husband needs me every day, or at the very least I would hope needs me or at least wants me every day. Um, so, you know, there's cooking dinner and when, when are we going to have a date? When are we going to have, you know, just time for the two of us where I'm not constantly thinking about, oh no, I have homework. Oh no, I have a test. Oh no, this. And, and yes, it, it took time to do that, but it, it came down to, I'd like two hours before class and two hours after class. This, these were the boundaries that I basically set up for school. Give me two before class and two hours after class. That gives me a full six hour block every single day, Monday through Thursday, that is nothing but school time. If I need to pick time from other places, I can, but it gives me a full six hours every day to do nothing but focus on school. Two hours before class to make sure everything's ready to go for class and two hours after class to get started on the things for the next mm-hmm. time we go to class. So, or, or if I'm all caught up on one class, it gives me just a couple extra hours to cut into say art history if I didn't get something done there or I maybe I didn't get through a lecture or whatever in art history but I'm all caught up on composition I'm not just going to go blow off those ex- that extra time I'm going to first look and see do I need to apply it to any more school time outside of this class and then if there's time sure mm-hmm. then I will blow off the rest mm-hmm. of it but yeah, it just it, it it took time and I think I was more than halfway through the first semester before I felt like I had a handle on it mm-hmm. and then the small break between spring and summer lost all that handle and had to start all over again at the beginning of summer. And I'm pretty sure we'll do it again at the beginning of fall. (laughs) But the family is really understanding and accepting of my boundaries now. So when I say this is a school boundary, I don't even have to explain more than that at all. This is a school boundary. Oh, okay. Well then I'll talk to you later. 
or this is school time for the, oh, okay, well then what are you on the phone for? Leave me alone. You don't need to talk to me right now. It's not important. Okay. That took time though, I think correct? I, correct. I feel like that was maybe in thinking back of our conversations, that was probably a hard, you want to help people so much and being a great mom and like spouse and do it friend and all these other things. When I was like, if people you're telling me these people love you and you go, yes, I go, okay. So if you want to set aside time for yourself, because this is important for you, do you, you're saying that the people love you will say, no, you, you can't do things for yourself. And you're like, well, but I, and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. So and, and it, that's the most irritating part about it, you. <laughs> I'm, that's that's what I'm here to do. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll take it though. How did the reception of you going initially? Because like, there's an, some initial fear being like, I'm changing the dynamic of the relationship because you're changing, you're accepting part of your identity as now being a student, and you going, uh, I have to renegotiate what this means with people that have always just assumed and or expected what the relationship looks like when we work together like how how was that received when you first went hey I need this time well like I said I've been disabled since 2008 so unless I'm down for the count or something I have been 100% available to the people in my life Mm -hmm. at any time you need to text me at three o'clock I mean I'm also an insomniac so I'm up a lot uh you need to text me at three o'clock in the morning I'll be the one that's there to reply immediately Mm -hmm. And it's got, it got to the point where even in my sleep, I hear my phone go off. And if I do, if I grab it, I grab it. And if I see a conversation and it starts, I will then wake up and be up for however long it takes for that conversation to finish. Because I, I, I like being available for people. Mm -hmm. I do, I do enjoy it, but I had to take it back part of it. And I honestly thought people might walk away from me. I did think yeah. that. I, I thought, I'm going to tell people I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. And they're going to leave me. Because hmm. it's happened in sure. my life. Like abandonment is an issue for yeah. me. It's a trigger for, for me. Sure. So I, I, was, I was terrified to even suggest mm-hmm. that I may need some time just for me. Mm. How out there is that? I need time for myself. Like, go take a shower. God forbid. No time for that. Wait, that doesn't even make sense when you say mm-hmm. it out loud. It doesn't, but I was terrified and I sat down with my husband and I said, we need to talk. And I I guess maybe I was so much more dramatic than it needed to be. Surprise. Excuse me. But uh, I said, we need to talk. And he's thinking something's right. I was like, I just, I need time for school. And he's like, and so take it. Okay, cool. I mean, just don't take it. I'm like, so you don't care? Do you not care about me? Do you not care about my schooling? What, what is happening? What do you, what don't you I care thought about? you like, were going to hate me and resent me. And he goes, no, we're good. And you're like, no. then, yeah. well, now I'm upset. Now I'm confused. And then what is it that you told me? Because we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I told you, and you said, no offense, but men just really don't, we don't think about it the way that I, women do. The so stereotype says, things. No big deal. Yeah. That's it's what he means. Sure. It's no big deal. Yeah. It was just like, okay. <laughs> men are a little easier to, yeah. I was like, it was so, it was so nonchalant that I honestly thought he was offended, but wasn't telling me he was offended because it was just so, no, whatever. And I'm like, oh, you really care, don't you? Deep down you care. And he's like, no, I really don't. Take your time. I go to work every day for eight to 10 hours. Yeah. You can't go to school for six. Yeah. This is weird that you're saying that you need this time. You can have this time. And then same thing with my daughter. She's like, okay, mom, it can wait. 
I'm like, but wait, I thought you guys needed me. Like, wait, I'm so confused. Yeah. You need yeah. me all the time, right? You need me to be available. No, we don't. And yeah. that, it was a little bit of an ego blow, I think, mm. an unexpected ego mm-hmm. blow, because here I was thinking they're all going to hate me. They're all going to leave mm-hmm. me. And they didn't need me to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was a little bit frustrating. But then I put it all back together and I was like, no, this is what normal people do. Mm. And I don't mean that I'm, well, I'm not normal. No, none of us are, but right, I, right, right. I, don't, I don't mean like in a, in a situation where you're not disabled, where you're sure. just going through your yeah, daily yeah. life and, and you don't consider every tiny little nuance. People just go through their lives and they don't really, they sail and they don't really concern with every little thing. Me having been hyper aware of everybody's needs mm-hmm. and everybody else's needs from me mm-hmm. for so many years. Mm-hmm. I just, I just really didn't, I didn't see getting off that easily. And then I did it. And then I was almost offended by it, <laughs> but what are you going to do? <laughs> well, and I think because part of like, as you've very eloquently expressed, like you helping and being there for people is who you are. That is part of your identity. So if your perception is, is that this is how I care and love for you. And they go, yeah, but I don't need that. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. But it's not that you're always there. It's that if they actually needed you, you would be there, right? If something actually happened and there's a difference of, and I can more better explain this in a work type atmosphere. And like, it kind of relates to family that like, don't confuse being like busy with actually like having an impact you being around and constantly like hovering in that like parent way, which probably was rewarding and helpful at different stages in your daughter's life and your relationship with your husband, all these other things. It worked. So you kept doing it. So it's not a you problem. It's not that you were whatever you were responding. And that's how I think most people would show up or most people that have families. Um, that's what in whatever mindset or wherever we pick it up is being a good parent, being a good family member, being a good, whatever. Um, so you're not normal. You're not crazy. You're not, I think you're just you and like, that's okay. And you're allowed to be like that. Um, but you're also like, we're both trying not to laugh. Yeah. Right. 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 right, right, right. No, no. If you want to do something new, you're allowed to do that and you're allowed to be who you are. And if that's going through school, because you're like, Hey, I don't want to just pick the things around me for a career or just be doing this. I want to make a greater impact because that means something to me and the people around you love you and go, yeah, you should do that. You're like, wait, I thought you would wait a minute. What? <laughs> You're not fighting me on this. Wait, You're not talking me out of this. You mean I should, right. I, I think, and we've talked about this before because it's come up with my, uh, um, my personal trainer. And I know I've brought it into our conversations about me personally. And I probably am not the only person in the whole world. Mm-hmm. So it might help somebody else to hear this. I need permission to be human. Mm-hmm. I need permission. I don't, like you said, you're, you're, I'm handing all this out to people and they're like, okay, no problem. And I'm like, but wait, wait, wait. wait. Mm-hmm. But that's just humanity. Yeah. And it's okay for me to maybe even reinvent myself. Mm-hmm. It's okay for me to have a little renaissance now and then, you know what I mean? I, I get to have a rebirth. There's the I get art. to change. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Hey. You it love was, the art. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Got a really good. Grade, yeah. Dustin, oh, I'm so. sure you did. Yeah, I know you love the art. I am you. 
using. Oh, yeah. I'm going to use my art history. No, but I, it is okay for me mm-hmm. to have a renaissance of my own. It, it is okay for everybody to do that. My daughter changes her career path every couple of years because she hasn't found where she's happy yet. Perfect. And that's Good. okay. And I support her and I reward, I reward mm-hmm. her and I converse with her. We talk about the ups and the downs and, okay, maybe this isn't right for you. And it is okay for you to change that. Well, if it's okay for her, why isn't it okay for me? And that's where it comes in. I need permission to be human. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but I do. Mm -hmm. And honestly, between my personal trainer and my success coach, (laughs) so all these things that people probably spend their lives thinking they don't really need, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because kind of like a life coach for college is Mm -hmm. basically what you are. Mm -hmm. So there's all these things that you hear about, oh, I don't need a life coach or I don't need a personal trainer to do some jumping jacks. And then you get those things. Mm -hmm. And, and they give you permission to be human. Yeah. You realize this is why people need coaches mm-hmm. and trainers mm-hmm. and things like that in their life. I didn't do sports growing up. So I imagine, I mean, I did some track, but I wasn't a sports head in school. So I didn't have a coach in that aspect. And I don't really have any teachers that changed my life, sure. except for maybe from grade school. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, when you drop out of high school, at 15 years old, you know, right at the start of your junior year, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to have teachers that change your life, but can't change it. So here we are. But um, yeah, the permission to be human is probably one of, it could be one of my biggest flaws, Hmm. but I also think it could be, not could, it is a benefit of me. Hmm. It is a benefit of me because I will take my humanity out of a situation just to support someone else's humanity. Mm-hmm. I do have to give back to myself occasionally yes. and refill my glass occasionally, yes. but it does not hurt. It does not cause me any kind of real physical pain. It actually fills my glass a little bit mm-hmm. to, to give somebody else their permission to be human. Mm-hmm. Even, even though it's strange because I still need my own permission to be human. And I need that regularly mm-hmm. is the thing I, I still haven't learned. <laughs> there will be, I'll start my job as a social worker and I'll call you and be like, Justin, <laughs> I need permission again <laughs> because yeah. that's, that's how it, that's just how it is. It's how it is with me. And like I said, maybe it's like that with other people and they've never thought about it that way about needing permission mm-hmm. to be human. Because yeah. why is it okay for everybody else to make changes and make mistakes and, and be human, but it's just not for me. Why do I hold myself at a, a level so far above the other people in my life that I don't criticize or degrade for being human mm-hmm. but for some reason i have myself up here and if i can't stay up here then i failed everyone mm-hmm. and that's dramatic but it's exactly how i feel do you know a secret if you'll tell me okay well i that's why i asked uh <laughs> everyone kind of does that and like yeah, then i don't think it's well i mean you you're saying that you <laughs> and like needing permission and stuff and that's not you're out of pattern and that's okay and it just takes time getting back into it and like what you spoke of having a coach is not that you can't do it or don't know how to maybe you don't know where to start but also having a coach in the relation to sports for people to understand that it's not i think i can do one more and i go give me 10 more and you're like 10 more oh i don't know if i could do 10 more of whatever it is and i go yeah, no, I know you can. And it's also to be there when you're like, I don't, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, and we can talk and that's, that's awesome. Um, 
pivoting a little bit, what would you tell first semester self, first semester self, knowing what you know now? Breathe. Mm -hmm. Just breathe. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. It, it feels, especially, it, it's a, it is a big deal. So with college, you know, you're not just taking another step in life and experiencing a new way of life. You're taking on a financial responsibility. And if you don't succeed, well, you still have a bill to pay. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I went out and I bought a new car. I have a car payment and then I crashed it a month later. Well, I still have to keep paying for what I no longer have. Uh, so <laughs> did I touch a nerve? No, it's just like I, putting okay. the weight behind yeah. that for people to understand in a physical way. It, it, yeah, it, it carries weight. It, it carries a lot of weight. And I did it again. I lost. My no, shit. you're fine. First semester. It's yes, first semester. It's hard. I just got off of eight weeks of sixteen yeah, weeks. Yeah, it, yeah. The math doesn't add up <laughs> in my brain. Uh, but yeah, first semester. Um, breathe. Breathe is the big one. But also, what you told me, mm. I deserve to be here. Mm. I'm just like everybody else. That's that's starting. You deserve to be here, because everybody deserves a chance to at least start, mm. at least try. Mm. And I keep leaning this way because my hair is getting stuck. Sorry. Oh, I just fell off the screen. But it's that permission to be human right there. You deserve to be here just like anybody else. Why don't you? What is it about you that doesn't deserve to be here? Nothing. It, it, I'm very self-deprecating, which you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is becoming a lot more common just in the generations that are coming up mm -hmm. behind mm -hmm. me, self-depreciation is just, it's, it's just something I think we all have now, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And we tear ourselves down a lot, a, a lot. Most of us don't believe in ourselves mm -hmm. and knowing that you deserve to be someplace hearing, not necessarily knowing, but hearing sure. that you deserve to be someplace because there's knowing there's assuming but when somebody else says, no, you deserve to be here, it gives you that permission to look at yourself through somebody else's eyes like you would look at another person and tell them you, they deserve, you get to look at yourself and say, yes, you do deserve to be here. I can go look in the mirror now and I can say, you deserve to be here. I can have a private conversation with myself now and remind myself all of the things that you tell me regularly. You deserve to be here. Your age has nothing to do with it. You belong here. You can do this. Mm -hmm. If this is your path, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You're 100% capable if this is your path. Mm -hmm. It may not be, but how do you know if you don't try? And that's where that permission to be human comes in because, okay, humans try. So let me just try and see what happens. So with uh, what would you tell someone that is thinking about coming back, is unsure, you know, maybe they're like, I don't know, my story sounds similar to you or that sounds very different than you. Like, should I, what would you tell them if they were thinking you're on the fence? About coming back to college coming, or starting or both? Either, either. Lots of different people listening. Try. Try, okay. My, my suggestion is to try. Mm -hmm. Just just see. It can't hurt just to see. Mm -hmm. You might incur a little bit of a bill, mm -hmm. but there's great programs out there. Mm -hmm great programs like Michigan Reconnect and things like that, that can help you pay for college. Mm -hmm. 
just try. You don't know unless you give it a shot Mm -hmm. and see if you can handle the stress of the workload. See if you can do the work. Maybe you just need to readjust which classes you take first. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, we've talked about, um, for me, I always make sure that within a semester, something I'm taking is going to keep me moving forward. Mm -hmm. No matter what, there's something in there that I find fascinating that when I get bored of this, you have to do this because you're trying to meet your prerequisites class, whether it's boring or not. If it's, if it's prerequisites and someone's telling you, you have to do this, it, it, it gets boring just because mm-hmm. I think we immediately try to lash out sure. <laughs> and say, yeah. you can't tell me what to do. So um, I always keep a, a class within my semester that will trigger my interest if I start to get bored. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what someone needs to consider doing is, you know, don't, don't take a bunch of, you know, math, English, this, and try to get it all done in one semester. Mm-hmm. I think that would be setting somebody up for failure. I say, personally, I would say, break that up, do English one semester, mm-hmm. math, a different semester, this, a different semester, especially if they're prerequisites and you don't really want to do them. Sure. But, and I said that with quotes because it turned out. I didn't think I was going to want to do my writing. I thought that would always be boring for me, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. I loved I loved both of my composition classes and my professors. The work was fascinating. Everything I learned will carry on to other classes mm-hmm. and my future. None of it's wasted. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's thinking that something that they're signed up for is just wasted time because it's a prerequisite or it's part of the degree, but it wasn't the part that they wanted, they felt like studying or whatever, that, I mean, that can make somebody try it just quit right like that yeah. I would imagine mm-hmm. too For much sure. to do and it's nothing I'm interested in yeah. I'm done so I would say breaking it up mm-hmm. anything you're not interested in pack in something that you're very interested in so that you can kind of dodge back and forth and refill your gas meter every now and mm-hmm. then because it, it it's school it's gonna some things are gonna be boring to certain people and those same boring things to me are gonna be fascinating to somebody else mm-hmm. What I think is fascinating might be boring to somebody else, but you've got to have that. What's that juxtaposition? Yeah, is that yeah. the word? You do have to have that so that you can appreciate the whole experience. I think making sure that I have a class that intrigues me and doesn't just educate me. That's the push I need to keep going through the classes. I think won't intrigue me. I'm wrong about that so far, but I mean, fall is math. I can't see math being intriguing, but at the same time, I didn't think composition would be intriguing. And it was. We'll talk so, in November and then you'll be like, oh, I did really well. I knew it. And like, if I just said, yeah. I know it in the beginning, people won't talk to me. Yep. So I can't do that. Like, <laughs> No, having a success coach is basically like having a really supportive sibling. It really is. <laughs> like, I think after... All of these months of having me having to tolerate you, oh, okay. first of all, oh, it's okay. not easy on my right. end either. For right. We're not required to meet, by well, the way, putting that out there to... for the listeners, but all right. <laughs> you having to tolerate me, it does, you become family. Yeah. It, it, I don't, mm-hmm. I think it's inevitable. I do feel like I could say Dustin is my friend, mm-hmm. but more than that, I think that you're, you're, you have a family quality to you because you're so supportive of my educational career mm-hmm. and what comes after that. And you're also supportive of what's come before it. Like, mm-hmm. You're literally there as, like I said earlier, like a sounding board. Mm -hmm. But if you're a sounding board, 
with so much information. You have so much information to provide to somebody, but you won't cram it down someone's throat. Mm -hmm. You wait for an opening. You're really good at what you do. Just for the record. I've said this privately for the record, but on air, I will also say you're great at what you do. And I would assume that your coworkers are also good at what they do. You choose to do this for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think because you want to help people too, like Mm -hmm. I did, you know, like I do. It's just in a different way. And who knows? Social work could lead me to success coach at some point in my life. You never know. It could be full circle and I could be sitting right next to you (laughs) every day. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know if I can handle working with a sibling like that though, but you know, Mm -hmm. there's a tear coming down Dustin's face right now. So so visible. You can hear it in my voice. Um, (laughs) Oh, you're my best friend. uh, Well, thank you for those really kind words. That means a lot. And you know, I try to work with people and I think I, in your words, that I'm really good at what I do because I'm trying to help get other people to the point of the things where they, who they are and then what they want to do and lining those up as much as possible. That's super important to me because I think that's where people find happiness because you're going to spend a lot of time at work in your life and I would rather view it as a career you know, maybe not to the point where I'm going to frame my work as a mission, right? Um, but I'm, it, I definitely view it as a career. And if I can help other people get to that, that means the world to me. That's me doing my thing that I love, just like how it will be with you working with kids doing social work. So Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great time. Oh, my pleasure. Um, if, anyone to, yeah, if anyone wants to connect, um, please reach out. Your success coach will be reaching out if you're a current student or anything like that. Um, Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us. Really, anytime, Dustin. It's my pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the success scenario. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. The success scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. I'm Dustin Abrego, and if you're a current LCC student with a great story to share or know someone with a story to share, connect with me on Twitter or at LinkedIn at Dustin Abrego, A-B-R-E-G-O. Until next time, success starts with you. Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College. Visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College is proud to present We're Better Than That, an anti-bigotry campaign. Embracing diversity is a continuing process, one that requires honesty, cooperation, and meaningful conversations. At Lansing Community College, we understand our journey towards inclusion and equity begins with an examination of how we relate to one another and a pledge to engage in the work necessary for meaningful progress to facilitate conversations and initiatives that will combat racism and hate speech in our college community. The Office of Diversity and Inclusion has partnered with the Office of Police and Public Safety to create We're Better Than That a comprehensive campaign to combat institutional bias and racism. To find out more about We're Better Than That, visit lcc.edu.
If you or someone you know lives with epilepsy, be aware of an uncommon but fatal complication called sudden unexpected death in epilepsy, also known as SUDEP. The American Academy of Neurology and the American Epilepsy Society have released a new medical guideline to help patients, families, and caregivers better understand SUDEP and its risk factors. If you have epilepsy, it is important that you talk with your neurologist. To learn more about SUDEP, visit aan.com guidelines. The Lansing Community College Foundation provides scholarships that make education possible, change students' lives, and uplift our community. Students may apply for scholarships November 1st through January 31st. Learn more at lcc.edu scholarships. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have held the same mirror for 13 years. I have been decorated with purple dinosaurs, baseball teams, and football helmets. I have witnessed 33 Thanksgiving dinners and one wedding proposal. I have tiny notches marking the growth of three children. I have caused a learning disability. I am the reason that a fifth grader simply can't sit still. I am responsible for a five-year-old's rage. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home is built before 1978, your family could be at risk. Let's make all kids lead-free kids. Log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LED. I am the reason a child has trouble hearing. If your walls could talk, what would they say? Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Our star today began her career as an adjunct professor here at LCC, as well as two other institutions about 10 years ago. She's been a public school educator for 25 years. 23 of those years, she was at the K-12 level. She was hired to be a full-time instructor at LCC in August of 2020 and has worked for LCC exclusively (laughs) since then. She believes that her responsibility as an educator is to simply find a way to connect with whomever shows up, and I love that. Outside of the classroom, this star performs regularly as a comedian, a storyteller, and was featured on a TEDx speaker in 2015, which I'm going to ask more about. She has a dog named Eleanor Roosevelt, and they live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Are you ready to learn more about today's star? Today's star is Catherine Palomino. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Lisa. Thanks. 
So, Catherine, do you prefer something else beside Catherine? Yes, my friends and my family call me Katie. All right, Katie, great. I'm so glad to have you here on Who's That Star? So we're going to get started, okay? Great. So tell me about your work at LCC. What do you do? I was being really, you know, I didn't want to let them know, but. Sure, yes. Um, So I am starting my third year as a full-time communication professor. Um, I also just completed my first full year as the program faculty chair okay. uh, for the communication program as well. Oh, so, wonderful. Yeah. Good. Now I know I got an inside scoop to <laughs> if I need something yes, over there. That's right. Okay. So how did you get started at LCC? Um, I had a long-term goal of teaching at the college level mm-hmm. and specifically went back to school to get a degree in communication so that I could teach at the college level. Long term, I wanted to work full time at the community college and worked as an adjunct at a couple of different places. And when the opportunity arose for me to work as an adjunct here within that first semester of working as an adjunct, I was told by the program, the communication program, that there was a job that was going to be posted for a full time instructor and that I should apply for it. It's wow. always a good sign when they tell you to apply exactly, for it. Exactly, it is. It so is. it was a, a perfect opportunity for me to leave the teaching I had done previously and come over to LCC um, before the pandemic really set in. Right. Um, some of my friends joke and say, did you have a crystal ball to get out of K-12 <laughs> before the pandemic? Exactly. So that is um, when I started full-time here and haven't looked back. When you were at K through 12, what what age group did you teach? Um, I started off teaching 10th graders. Oh. And then I finished with 11th and 12th graders. Okay, yeah. So. You stayed in the high school yes. area. I worked at K through 12 and I did elementary, middle school okay. and high school. And yeah, I enjoyed high school the sure. most out sure. of all of them. I, I have even more empathy for my colleagues in the K-12 than I ever did um, as, a, as a result of the pandemic and oh, yeah. how hard the job has been for them. For sure it has been. I know my daughter, just the instructors have been great in K-12 through in regards to trying to make sure they took care of the mental health of our students too. So I Absolutely. appreciate that. Sure. So what do you teach here at LCC? Um, I predominantly teach public speaking. No wonder. Okay. (laughs) And uh, usually the response I get from anybody when I tell them that I teach communication and specifically public speaking is I'm terrified of public speaking. Well, yeah, I am. I faked I was going to fake a heart attack to get (laughs) out of doing public speaking. So it is, it's one of those things, but I'm always referring students to that class Mm -hmm. because it's a good transferable class, but also the skills that you learn there is so wonderful and you need them in all aspects of your life, right? Absolutely. You're going to speak somewhere, even though you don't want to. So absolutely. I love that. I did not know it was the, um, the, Communications 130 that you speak. Oh, yeah. That's mostly what I teach. I also teach um, dynamics of communication, which is kind of an intro um, kind of a sampler platter of of calm issues. Uh, Those are the two classes that I predominantly teach. You know, um, I will tell you, um, Jerry Seinfeld has a joke about public speaking, and this is true. He says, you know, statistics show that people are more afraid 
of dying, excuse me, of public speaking than they are of dying. Yeah. And he said, so if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. <laughs> That's so true. Right. Because yes, I, I, yeah, the fear mm-hmm. of that. And did you have, well, no, I mean, did you have a problem mastering that? Like to be able to, to, to have that as your profession and sure. you're teaching people to do that. Did you ever have a problem with speaking? Um, this is what I usually tell people. I didn't know that I was good at speaking, that it was a craft and a gift. I mean, I knew that I could talk, uh, since I was a little kid, very early talking all the time. And I haven't stopped talking since I learned how, but when it comes to the art of actually public speaking or using my voice or using persuasive techniques or organizing my thoughts, I did not know I was good at it until I realized that most everybody else is not good. Right. At it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, I was like, give me the microphone. I'll do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause sure, you have, I'll give it, a presentation. That's right. wonderful. Yeah. And I think you can, you can reach so many people if you're just yourself and comfortable. Absolutely. But it's like, I just feel like, oh my gosh, yeah. everybody's looking at me. Right. Do you tell them to imagine people naked? Is no, that, in fact, I bring that up and say, I don't know whoever came up with that, but that would make me more nervous. Right, yeah. Right? Well, we, we do an activity in the COM 130 class, the public speaking class, that is uh, addressing your fears. Oh. And I have them just flat out say, what is it that is so terrifying? And the list, you know, ranges from everybody staring at me to I'm going to mess up, I'm going to mispronounce something, I'm going to turn red while I'm talking, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my place, I'm going to stutter on my words. And those are all legit things to worry about. Right. But once we acknowledge those things and recognize everybody has some anxiety when they speak and, and it can be a good uh, burst of adrenaline, that anxiety can be once it's mastered. But I, I just tell them to own those fears yeah. and realize as a human being, you're going to make a mistake. Um, how you respond to that mistake is what makes you an effective speaker. Man. Okay. Those, <laughs> that's the great words right there, you, you know, because we, everyone thinks that they have to be perfect and I'm learning that, you know, not that we are not that we don't are perfect, but that you're going to make mistakes. Sure. And when you talk, that's the human piece Correct. of you, you know, and Correct. you don't want to sound like a robot and stuff. So right. I'm, I'm glad that, Oh, now I have a friend Absolutely. who is um, a speech teacher who can yep. give me some insight. Absolutely. Well, that's Absolutely. wonderful. Um, I, um, I often tell my students use an analogy. My, uh, uh, therapist that I go through, go to for mental health has told me, you're never not going to have anxiety, but you're going to learn tools to manage that anxiety. Yeah. And I use that same example with my students when it comes to fear of public speaking. You're, you're always going to have anxiety. You're always going to be a little bit nervous. Those are good things. But how to manage that mm-hmm. anxiety is what our goal is. And just honestly, public speaking and speech class, but I always tell them this class is about building your confidence and, and, and empowering you to know that you are an expert on something. Right. And you are the one that can share that with us in the form of talking about it. Wow. You you got me wanting to take this class again. There you go. Katie. I, might, I have to. Think I would love about to have that. you in class. <laughs> I'm thinking about this now. Well, it definitely sounds like you have a. Um, you're passionate about your role here mm-hmm. at LCC, and we're glad to ha- have you. you. But what's life like for you outside of LCC? Sure. Um, well, Linked to LCC, I am a huge advocate for practicing my craft. Mm -hmm. Um, My uh, 
experience teaching at a four-year university for a few years was that a lot of students felt like a lot of the instructors and professors were a bit out of touch with the real world. Right. Um, and we've all had that experience. Someone who wrote, literally wrote the textbook, but, but can't communicate it to us and also has no idea what it's like to actually work in advertising or work in a a nurse's office. And so I am constantly pursuing and asserting myself to find situations and opportunities where I can practice my craft. I do a lot of hosting and emceeing events. Mm. Um, I uh, have given a lot of keynote speaker talks for different events. I market myself as someone who can lead those kind of events. Um, so I, I, I try to do as much of that as I can so that I, my students know that I'm also not just telling them what to do, but I'm actually learning that still as, as well. So, um, when I'm not actually teaching, um, I have two other gigs. I always have a side hustle. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about that. Right. So, um, I always have stuff to do and I like having things to do, especially in the summertime. But, Mm -hmm. um, when I started working at LCC, uh, simultaneously, I was given an opportunity, um, to serve as a communication consultant. I was hired as a private contractor for a nonprofit organization in Grand Rapids, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more, um, when it comes to volunteering. Yeah. I want to talk about a little bit later, but, um, I spend a couple of days a week there when I'm not on campus here and I edit and evaluate the documentations that go out on the website, uh, the information they send home to volunteers. Wow. I host a lot of events for volunteers, fundraisers and organize the events for those and just am a fresh pair of eyes from a communication perspective wow. for, uh, this nonprofit. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. I, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to do both things right now. Yeah, but I mean, because I wasn't thinking that that's what you were going to tell me. Because oh, really? I was, you know, wanted to ask you about the being a comedian. Sure, sure, sure. And so I thought that was you going to bring it up. But this was a whole different thing that, right. you know, but it's a way to give back. Use Absolutely. your skill set, but still keep yourself fresh. Absolutely. On top of Absolutely. everything. So that's wonderful. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, okay. Well, as, as far as comedy goes... Um, I started in about 2014, and I was really, really intensely involved doing a lot of open mics, doing a lot of events. I performed a lot all over town here in in Lansing, as well as Grand Rapids, as well as Kalamazoo. And then I kind of grew kind of quickly. And I always tell people, everyone thought I was more experienced as a comedian than I actually was. Uh Because my presentation skills yeah. make it seem like I know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you do, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the material that I covered in my comedy was good, but I also uh, uh, have become very critical of watching other comedians and think, you're so focused or we're so focused as speakers or comedians on the content mm-hmm. that we forget how important the actual skill of presenting it is. Yes. And so I can see really good uh comedy writing but terrible presentation skills you know i was watching um dave Chappelle. sure he what was (laughs) the guy's name um the news show john stewart oh john stewart sure he got an award and i was just listening to dave Chappelle, and it brings me back to how a person tells a story Mm And, and the information, how they give it to you mm-hmm. is just as important Absolutely. as the, the punchline or what they're given. And I think, you know, you hit, you hit it right when you said that you have to present a specific way or your way. Correct. So that it comes across that we can understand you. Yes. But it's also funny. So 
Are you still doing it? Are you still? Con- you know what? Um, so just before the pandemic, the uh, the last I don't know, maybe even a year before the pandemic, I wasn't doing as much direct comedy shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that I was doing at the time were more fundraisers. I had friends that, like my friends. Uh, son's little league baseball team. The parents wanted to raise money for the season, and so the parents hosted a fundraiser, and I was the event. I was the entertainment. Oh, we, oh wow! So that was really fun. I did one for a basketball uh, fundraiser at a local school in Grand Rapids as well. Yeah, and uh, for uh, a program of occupational therapy for a friend who runs that program at Western Michigan. Her students had a fundraiser, and they invited me, and I produced a show, performed, and then hired a couple of other comedians. So that that just like anything that was more fun because I got to pick who I performed with Mm -hmm. as opposed to just like you see in movies and TV doing open mic with a bunch of people who are, who are telling the same kinds of jokes because they're all about 18 to 25 years old and boys. Um, (laughs) It gets, it's a unique voice to be a person at my age and a female. Right. Yeah. So So you're not seeing many women comedians. Um, Yes, but not nearly as much as every 21-year-old guy who thinks he's hilarious right. because his friends think he's hilarious. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. So I I haven't done as much. I've done, I, I did do a, a, a happy hour event online during the pandemic for an organization for a, a um, like a, a staff outing. They had me come, it was online because everybody's working from right. home. So that was a unique experience. I have not performed face-to-face since um, we've been a little more um, relaxed yeah. about things. Mm-hmm. And I just was telling some folks today that I need to write some new material because so much has happened um, oh. that I, I have lots to say about I the bet. last couple of years. <laughs> you definitely so. <laughs> would have a lot to say. Well, you got to let us know. Absolutely. So we can let people know to come check you out. Absolutely. I, I would definitely um, come, Thank you, you know, and that on the, on that note, you have such a great voice. You Thank sound you. so well, Thank you. you know, you should think about doing something for LCC connect. I should do something. So I, I think you need to join our family. <laughs> so I'm going to throw you. that out there. Thank you. But, um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, how did you do a TEDx and what is a TEDx? Sure. Well, um, for about six years, I was an adjunct communication professor at Grand Valley State University over in Allendale, just north of Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, one of the students in my class, my speech class, was on the Student Senate, and they were hosting a TEDx event. So everybody, in most cases, has heard of a TED Talk, Mm -hmm. and TEDx is a local version of TED Talks. Oh, okay. So the X simply means it's somewhere other than on a national scale. Gotcha. Or, okay. uh, or global scale. So this was uh, TEDx at GVSU. Oh, wow. And they invited people to be guest speakers. And one of my students, of course, had had my class. And she said, you would be perfect. Is this something you would be interested in doing? And I was like, absolutely. What absolutely. Did you, what did you do your talk? What on? I talk about? Um, I talked about the concept of uh, back to basics. Um, at the time, it's it's kind of ironic these years later, uh, what, five or six years later, I talked about how to regain passion for the work that you love and being burnt out. And specifically at that time, right, <laughs> I had um, 20... Two years in as a public school teacher, mm-hmm. and I identified different ways that I found myself not caring mm-hmm. and navigating through landmines and checking the box of what I have to do. Exactly. And I, I know there are lots of people who function like that in all kinds of work, 
But I decided either I was going to better myself mm-hmm. and change that attitude and reframe what I was doing there as an educator, or I had to find another job because I wasn't benefiting anyone being there. And so that was what my talk was about, just highlighting a couple of things that people can do to regain the zest. And, and, and a lot of it focused around the idea of overcommitting and feel like feeling like we have to be involved in everything. Uh, one of the things I talked about was um, be your best, not your better than. And uh, we get in a habit of comparing ourselves to other people, no matter where we work. Mm -hmm. Uh, We keep track of who shows up to things. We keep (laughs) keep track of who talks in the meeting and who doesn't. Right. And those are essentially comparables. And so recognizing, hey, I'm giving my best. It's not about what he or she does. It's about what I do. So it was a really cool, really cool, excuse me, opportunity. And uh, I was really thankful. And that that is on YouTube. If you look on YouTube. I'm about to go watch yeah. it. Uh, Katie Palomino, uh, GVSU or TEDx, you'll find it. Yes, yeah. I'm definitely going to look because, Thank you. you know, you need some time to refill. You yeah. know, get you need something to help you get through it. And, and a lot of times when you're going through rough spots, right. you are just checking boxes sometimes. Yep. Yep. And so you have to check yourself. Right. And so I think that's a good reminder a lot yeah. of times. And yeah. So I appreciate that. Well, we, we've all encountered people. And unfortunately, in education, especially that person who says oh, three more years and I can retire, which I never appreciate because that is what you're looking forward to. And I'm not saying that retirement isn't something to look forward to, but when that's the first thing that you tell me when I meet you, then that shows me where your focus is. Exactly. And I I didn't want to be that person Mm -hmm. um, because it just wasn't doing anything for me or for my students. Right. Wow. I'm just loving this today. Thank you. So (laughs) before we get, I go down to any other rabbit holes, I do want to ask you about the volunteering that you do. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So I uh, mentioned that I work for a nonprofit Mm -hmm. in Grand Rapids. The nonprofit that I work for is called Kids Food Basket. Um, A lot of people in West Michigan um, have heard of Kids Food Basket, but they don't necessarily know what our organization does. And I like to tell people that in, in, in some summary, what Kids Food Basket does is they provide a third meal of the day for students who get free and reduced lunch and breakfast at school. Gotcha. Um, And so the idea being that there are many students who are provided those meals during the day, but then they go home and have to fend for themselves Mm -hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons. And so Kids Food Basket every day packs up to 10,000 meals a day, a sack supper, That is a fresh, nutritious, ready-to-eat meal that we deliver with our volunteer drivers to different schools and different locations and give them to the kids that have signed up for those. Wow, that's wonderful. Right, right. That's a great way to give back. Absolutely. No, the babies aren't hungry, so that's a good thing. Yeah, and I I started, I got connected with the organization as a volunteer. Okay. And this is real briefly kind of a funny story. When I first started volunteering there, it was because I had two different students when I was teaching at Grand Rapids Community College who in their persuasive speech, two different semesters, two students who didn't know each other, who talked about why you should volunteer at Kids Food Basket. Wow. And I thought, what is this Kids Food Basket that I keep hearing about? Well, I had gone through a little bit of a rough patch a couple of years ago. And so to not be as focused on my sad and Mm -hmm. where I was, I used that energy to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And I volunteered at this organization. But once I was done doing that, and I got back on track with my mental health, I thought, I associate 
being sad with volunteering at this place. Now I need to volunteer when I'm in a better spirits and better mood. Right. And that just took off. We, um, Kids Food Basket uses more volunteers, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> than any other organization in in Michigan. Wow. Yeah, maybe even nationally. I don't know all the statistics, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. Okay. But for sure in Michigan and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers every day to pack Sack Suppers and uh, kidsfoodbasket.org is where people can get involved. It's a great opportunity for friends and families um, to work together and, and volunteer in the community. All right, you guys. Kids food foodbasket.org. Basket. .org. You yep. guys heard that. Yes. We need to start one if there's not in this area. Right. Do one in this area. Exactly. That would be super cool. Exactly. Or have a college sponsor, you know. Something. Hey, you know, do something like that. You yes. never know, but that's great. Thank you. Uh, you are a busy lady. I am. I am. I like to have things going on, like I said. I know. It's like you volunteer, you're doing TEDx yep. talks, you're doing <laughs> comedy, you're right. helping people get over their public speaking that's right. fear. Well, tell me something that you're really proud of and why. I feel like that it's only been in the last couple of years and when not intentionally, but related to now full-time teaching here at LCC, I spent most of my life and anybody that has the same experience as being a talker like I am, mm -hmm. I've spent most of my life being in trouble for talking too much. Gotcha. So I never knew that it was a gift because it was something I was always being told not to do. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I began to see the impact on students when they had a little burst of confidence as a result of taking a speech class or uh, coaching students through the mindset of, you know, what's something you could talk about forever? That should be your speech topic because you can go on and on about just seeing the students, it click with them and for them to realize those things. So what I'm proud about is... Public speaking is my superpower. It is. And it's something that comes very naturally to me. And so I'm proud of the opportunity to empower other people to realize they are also able and capable of giving a really good presentation or talk. Wow. I'm, I'm going to have to end it off on this. Sure. I want to thank you today for coming. I've learned so much. I'm thank super you. excited. And um, are you looking forward to fall semester? To I am ready to go. I love a routine, so I'm ready to be back in the routine. And I, I love teaching comm classes, so uh, I always encourage people in the community even to take comm classes and burst, uh, boost up their skills. All right. Well, you tell them who they are and who they can sign up for a public speaking class with. That's right. Com 130, Catherine Palomino. All right, Catherine. Katie. Katie. We are so glad you came here, and I I, I want to have you back. Thank you. I could talk to you all day, so I'm super. <laughs> well, as I told you, I also could talk all day. <laughs> right, so we, we're, <laughs> Thank good, you, Lisa. we're a good match. So you take care, and everybody, I will see you next week. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out who's that star. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices 
vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.